Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Ken Coates, Professor and Canada Research Chair in Regional Innovation at the Johnson Shoyama Graduate School of Public Policy at the University of Saskatchewan and a fellow at the Royal Society of Canada. Professor Coates wrote a piece, an op-ed, for the MLI, the Macdonald Laurier Institute, which also appeared in the Globe and Mail, Canada's failure to properly respond to protests threatens democracy and the rule of law. I also want to say this. Professor Coates is an absolutely prolific writer, and one of the books that I really would recommend to everybody, if you have young people in your house, what to consider if you're considering university, what to consider if you're considering university. Professor Coates, good to have you back. How are you? Great to be with you again. Uh, let's start, because Canada's failure to properly respond to protests threatens democracy and the rule of law. That's the title of your op-ed. And a quote from it is, recent Canadian conflicts have a nasty and angry edge. We pick it up there. Can you just elaborate on that, please? Well, I always get concerned. I, I enjoy, I think protests are invaluable. So make sure everybody understands that, that the idea that you stand up and speak truth to power is an absolutely essential element of, of journalism. It's an essential element of the academy. It's a political protest. We should always be speaking truth as loudly as we can. But there's some really nasty elements now. The, you know, David Suzuki you know, sort of mused out loud about, you know, you're going to see pipelines blown up you know, if you don't sort of abide by the wishes of a very small minority of extremely radical environmentalists. That's worrisome. It's very worrisome when you see uh, people who are anti-vaccination sort of oriented showing up in front of, of, of hospitals and blocking access to the hospitals. Um, it's worrisome when somebody firebombs, uh, or not firebombs, uh, photobombs, I guess, uh, a Remembrance Day event in Kelowna and shows up and grabs a microphone and starts speaking about the, the tyranny of the, of the government of Canada about vaccinations. There's a nastiness in the air that I find very, very un- unnerving. Um, it's not disputes are fine. We always will have them in Canada. We've always had them in Canada. We'll always, any democratic society will have people on different parts of the issues. But my gracious, we have to learn to speak to each other constructively. Um, people can protest, but if they go over the line in protest, we must rely on government to, to stop it quickly. We cannot let protests drag on and interfere with, the, with lawful activity. And that's where I think we're falling down. We've got a series of, of events, uh, Ferry Creek in British Columbia, um, some of the coastal gas link protests, not just the ones in northern British Columbia, but the ones that have popped up across the country last year and again this year. Um, these are not acceptable, in my view. Um, by all means, protest. Stand by the roadside, you know, stand outside a minister's office, uh, stand in front of the legislature, protest all you want. And in fact, that's very important. But when you start interfering with others' lives and interfering with legal business, um, we've really crossed the line, and we get to the point where a very tiny minority of people end up exercising undue power and influence. That is not what democracy is about. Now, you and I talked in 2019 about the uh, wide-ranging rail protests. Um, Canada has, and you're right, Canada has become weakened in its willingness to respond to wide-ranging protests like that one. And there also doesn't appear to be a wide-ranging public support, you say, uh, not much public support for the disruptive protests, which should support police enforcing the law. But it's not that easy because politicians and governments are not taking a strong stand against disruptive protests, and that isolates police. 
It, it does, and it, that puts an enormous amount of pressure on the on on the police to sort of act because the government says, "Oh, well, this isn't our matter. The police will react." Well, in fact, the police do take some general direction from the politicians, um, and and the police are very cautious. They they don't want to push in one place and have five more protests erupt somewhere else. And one of the things we also have to watch is that there's also a limit to what the government and the police can do in in putting down protests. For example, the police were completely right, in my estimation, at stepping in on the coastal gasoline protest in northern British Columbia and, and removing the barricades that, the, that the, a small group of people in the community had erected. Um, you know, they were right stepping in. When they showed up with, uh, with uh, automatic rifles and, and showed up you know, heavily armed and being very aggressive, uh, they kind of lost the moment. And, and what you ended up with is coverage all around the world of you know, what, police brutality and police aggression and things of that sort. The police have to be very, very cautious. But the police have to know that the government backs them, that the government says, yes, protest legitimately, do not break the rules. If you go over, you, know, you do more than sort of a temporary disruption, we're going to remove you and, and we're going to stand by it. And that's where we get a problem right now that, quite frankly, um, the government actually has moved very, very quickly on the anti-vaxxer protests and is proposing new legislation that will actually make it illegal to sort of, you know, have these kind of protests in front of hospitals because those protests go against government policy. But when the government, which has a very strong environmentalist thrust, you know, is concerned about the, uh, who sees protests that are dealing with forestry or pipeline debates, well, their position on those things is kind of wishy-washy. And so they don't, they don't react. And that just basically empowers people, a very tiny minority of people, to push the envelope even further. And when you start pushing the envelope further and further, at some point people think, well, what's the value of democratic elections? I mean, we elect governments to make decisions. If they make decisions, they should stand by them. Yeah. That's where I think we have a real problem emerging. Well, we also have an issue with uh, governments uh, enacting legislation and really with the intent of making the courts or having the courts decide whether the legislation passes the constitutional acid test. And I don't think that's a smart way to govern. And if, if, if a police are at some point, Professor Coates, if police get to the point where they say, well, are the politicians supporting us moving in on this particular protest? If they are, we're going in. If they don't, well, maybe we won't because there's too much pressure on us. That damages our societal fabric, as you're stating. So the next question I have for you, I'm putting a whole bunch of things together. It's a goulash. What about media's role in covering protests? And how would you assess how media have covered, for example, the pipeline protests? So my observation would be the media has done a dreadful job uh, with great respect. I've got lots of tons of friends in the media, and I, I do a lot of work with the media over time. But in this situation, it's kind of interesting, the one with the coastal gas tank one in British Columbia. You have a situation where the media has paid almost no attention to the elected representatives of the community who are in favor of the pipeline and who have actually written and spoken out publicly about the fact that the, that the presence of outsiders, of environmentalists, and of, of protesters who come in from away, uh, financed by some of the environmental organizations, are actually really harming their community. That's actually a really big story. When you get a situation where, where the emergence of protest is actually dividing communities and dividing families, that, that should be covered even more than the protest itself. Uh, this is a situation where the, the Wet'suwet'en people have to be able to make the decisions themselves. 
for themselves and by themselves. They don't need outsiders. This is not my position. This is the position of many people in the community, including their elected officials. And I think the media has to be really careful, because otherwise what you're doing is you're privileging the voices of a very tiny minority. There was an anti-vaccination protest in Saskatchewan a while back. It attracted a fairly small number of people, let's say 40 or 50 people. It got a lot of, a lot of inches of, of newspaper coverage and, and minutes of radio and TV coverage. And, and the real story should have been virtually nobody shows up to anti-vax protests. And I think we have to, the media has to look at this in the broader context of what's actually going on. By all means, you know, tell people what people are protesting about, but give equal voice to the other people who aren't protesting and who are comfortable with the government's decisions. There's a need for balance and a, a, a shift away from sensational stories, the, the story, the protest of the day. We can do a lot better. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.